What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Six Year Sense Podcast. This is your host, Jack Duffy, and today, Joe DeProsperous, AJ Yetzi, Matt Burnham, and I give our analysis of all the non-Sixers playoff series, as well as give our predictions for the rest of the playoffs. Let's get to it. move on to all the other playoff series so i think the i think trailblazers thunder is by far the best first round series dame versus russ has been a lot of fun just their beef back and forth um russ flopping on that time where he pushed dame over when russ is on the ground on the baseline uh just this whole series i've watched every single game every second it's been by far the most exciting one well is it dame versus russ or is it just dame first the Thunder and Russ thinking that it's a one-on-one matchup because that's kind of the, the impression <laughs> that I've been getting that Dame's just playing for the team and Russ is just letting Dame get in his head and he's just going after Dame at the expense of the game. Yeah, Russ is not standard at all. It's been Paul George. Even in Paul George before last night, he's shooting 37% in the series. So both of them haven't been having their best basketball. <coughs> George is hurting. He, he's he's definitely hurting. Yeah, there's gonna be he's gonna have some kind of surgery or they're gonna announce something at the end of the year. That he's been battling through because since he can't even go through screens without wincing anymore since he got hurt. And yeah, and all- Damian Lillard is just one of those guys. He can walk the walk and talk the talk. I mean, he's just been unbelievable this series. Anytime they need a bucket, anytime that that team's sputtering, he's just always in there with everything. And he's guarding Westbrook. Westbrook's not guarding Dame. Yeah, Dame is making <laughs> this series has been his case for being the second best point guard in the league, and he's making a pretty strong case for it. Yeah. Who's, whose stock is rising more in these playoffs than Dames? No one. No one. Jared Dudley. Landry Shamit. <laughs> yeah, but um, the thing about the thing I love about Portland, I think we've talked about it in the chat before. They sort of put uh, the Sixers to shame sometimes with how rock solid they are from top to bottom, even after they lost Nurkic. Just their their bench is just so good. Like Rodney Hood coming off the bench as that playmaker. And you still they have Mo Harkless, um, even Seth even Seth Curry can still knock down shots. They're just so good from from like one to really seven or eight. Yeah, I mean there's been a there's been a stigma of an old saying can't play Canner, and I think Stephen Adams is probably the best matchup for Canner because his his defensive abilities are subpar to say the least, and because Adams isn't a guy to kill you on a pick and roll like score a bunch of points and because Canner's problem this year, he was getting DMP CDs on the Knicks, not because of his ability, just because they were tanking, but Canner's defense has been something that people have picked him apart about through his whole career so far. And I think his defense on Adams and just interior presence this series has been really good. And like I said, Adams is probably the best guy for that to happen on. I think next round, if they play the Spurs or the Nuggets, it's going to be, Canner's going to get exposed a whole lot more than he is, but you don't have to worry about that now. Through this first round, he's been really impressive. Had that 17, I think it was what, 18 points, 20 rebound game one. And through the series, he's been been really impressive on both ends. Same with yeah. Damian Lillard. His deep, Damian's defense has been something that people also critiqued him about. And he's been killing it this series. 
I don't know how far they can get with the, the center rotation of Zach Collins, Ennis Canner, and Myers Leonard, though. But everyone, but besides that, they're they're such a good team. Yeah, the backup center for the Blazers is a huge thing because Zach Collins, he can he's inside the paint, he's useless on offense, and then on defense, he'll get you some blocks sometimes, but he's awful on uh, rotations and pick and rolls. I think it's time we start recognizing C.J. McCollum as uh, you know moving up the tiers. In the level of stars that we got in this league, the performances he's had in this series has been incredible. I think he's outscored Dame in a couple of these games. Him and His him and Dame, yeah. unbelievable. Nah, I know him and Dame have to be like top three backcourts in the league, or at least one of the top ones. Could argue that it's number two. I mean, yeah. I guess Harden is CP3, but CP3 is uh, not quite the player he once was, and I'll get into that later on. But yeah, I think it's Steph Clay and then McCollum and Dame. Right now, easily. Yeah. Anything else on the Portland OKC series? Who wanted to talk Guy about it? Jeremy Who Grant. wanted to talk about Jeremy Grant? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, oh, so when every time I watch Jeremy Grant, just makes me cry on the inside a little bit because we traded him during the process for half a season of Urson Ilyasova. I know they had to extend Jeremy Grant last summer, but how nice would it be to have Jeremy Grant not starting but getting twenty, getting like Mike Scott minutes off the bench? Yeah, I miss that dude. Can you imagine having Embiid, Simmons, Butler, and Jeremy Grant just to switch everything and just absolutely harass people? Like, that would be unbelievable. Or if Embiid's out, you could put Grant at the small ball five. That'd be lethal. So much length. So let's move on to the Nuggets-Spurs series. So right now that series is 2-2. And we saw last week that Thurston threw the ball at the ref, like we talked about earlier. But I think so far it's been... The Nuggets obviously have no playoff experience. I saw this thing uh, that the Nuggets have 97 of their 117 points yesterday were from guys that had no playoff experience. So I think so far, the series is tied right now going back to Denver. I think so far the Nuggets have been – they're very inconsistent with Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. You don't know. You'll get 30 from them a night or you'll get five. But so far they've been they've been playing pretty solid against a Popovich coach team. Yeah, it's just Jamal Murray is one of the most – he get he. He gets you so mad because I don't get I don't get to watch a whole lot of West Coast games all the time. But one of the few games I saw was his 52 point game. But man, he's so dynamic when he's on, and then when when he's off, it, it's bad. But he he's he's so good when he wants to be. Going back to whose stock is rising the most in the playoffs, Derek White. He's unbelievable. That dude's been hitting shots, being up all over the place. Like he is just another example of how. The Spurs development staff is a bunch of magicians. They take guys from anywhere and turn them into absolute monsters. That dunk he had in game one was ferocious. It was over uh, Paul Millsap. Yeah, I think so, if I'm not mistaken. I forgot who he was at the start of the year, I'll be honest. Where did he come from, like Colorado State or something like that? He was Um, like a D2 guy and then... University of Colorado, I think. D2 and then transferred to Colorado. Yeah, he's averaging 19 points this series. So, And he's going to be first-team all-defense this year, too. And it's crazy. They don't even have Duante Murray, and they're still playing this well. So that backcourt is going to be yep. vicious next year. R.C. Buford does it again. They're so good at finding talent. Yeah, I don't know how they find guys in the high 20s consistently all the time. We could have had Duante Murray. Sixers pass on him. So You guys really want me to say it, huh? The Spurs are NBA's version of the New England Patriots. Oh, my God. Stop. Stop. Listen, (laughs) you can take take away everything else and debate that at another time, but for for this specific thing, just finding talent 
with guys who the rest of the league glossed over, putting guys into the rotation who are unknown and maximizing their talents. The Spurs do that the best in the NBA. Patriots do that the best in the NFL. But, like, honestly, when was the last time the Spurs had a pick out, like, before the top 20? It has to be since, like, when they, get, when they got Duncan. Uh, Kawhi, when they traded George Hill for him, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, that's it. When was the last time the Spurs missed the playoffs? 22 years ago? 23 years ago? <laughs> that was the year they tanked for Tim Duncan. Yep. Yeah. And since then, the rest is history. Yeah. I hate tanking is illegal and immoral, and no one should ever do it. Oh, another thing I want to talk about is, so I was watching ESPN the other day, and somebody's talking about that the Sixers should be, another talk about how the Sixers shouldn't be proud of their process because it took like five or six years. People don't realize it was three years of just awful winning. It wasn't like this five, six, seven-year thing that happened. It wasn't that long. I thought they'd been tanking since Wilt left town. <laughs> Charles Barkley was the missing piece. They just happened to win a title in the middle. Because that, but it messed up the tanking, so had to bottom out again. I hate how everyone keeps adding years to the process. Yeah, it wasn't such a bad narrative. Another thing about this Nugget Spurs series is Nikola Jokic is 0.7 assists away from averaging a triple double. Right now he's at like 20, 20 and a half points per game, almost 12 rebounds and 9.3 assists. He hasn't played up to his standard though. I think for the first, at least through the first two games. The Spurs are just sitting out there and letting him shoot the ball and not give him any sort of respect on his three-point shot. And he's they've kind of figured it out a little bit more as the series has gone on. So, And a lot of credit to Mike Malone. It's his first playoff series. So against Pop, it's not the matchup. is probably the, the last guy you want to coach against in your first playoff series. Yeah. Gets the best pass in the NBA because he might. Like that dude has some of the most outrageous passing vision I've ever seen. He's like if Draymond was a much better offensive player fatter <laughs> yeah just Draymond except take away the defense yeah Nikola Jokic is everything Jared Dudley wants to be fat and good at basketball or on NBA terms he's way better than I'll ever be but yeah, it astonishes me how good Jokic is for the for that build I mean you yeah. can get away with looking like that when you're seven feet tall though wasn't he a second round draft pick oh that's a good question 41st overall yeah man that's that's, that's a steal that's some that major crazy. return value. Him and Nurkic are on the same team for how long, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I forgot Pitch about that. Your... Yeah, that's a crazy front court. Anything else about Nuggets Spurs? Yeah, yeah, just a quick question. Jokic and Dudley, which one of them looks like they belong on a comic strip more? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go. He drank more two liters as a kid, though. <laughs> Definitely Jokic. <laughs> Saw another thing today of like his a passport picture of him. And it, oh, I, I just saw that. Yeah. <laughs> was it Jokic or Nurkic whose dad was like a riot cop who's like six nine and like four hundred pounds, and then he ended up playing basketball because like some agent was like, "Do you have a son?" It was it's Jokic or Nurkic who has a dad that's an absolute unit. It would definitely it would have to be Nurkic. Oh no, I mean a Jokic, Jokic. Yeah, when you said 400 pounds, definitely Jokic. He got those jeans from somewhere. <laughs> a lot of fat jokes today on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Warriors-Clippers. So it's 3-1 Warriors right now. They're not going to blow this 3-1 lead, but let's do a few minutes of some Landry Shamit praise, the uh, ex-sixer. I mean, what can you say about him as a rookie? You know, you know, being basically the second or third best player on a team and in a, and a, and a relatively competitive series, too. I miss him. I miss him, too. 
that game winner and defending Curry so well too. Like he showed no signs of being that type of defender this early on in Philly. He would show flashes and then he would get beat up for a bit, but his defense on Curry has been really, really good. Eric Sidewater <laughs> can't rebound. <laughs> I'm out on Landry. <laughs> yeah, that game one, his game winner in game one was, I mean, it was a good look, but for a rookie to do that, I think five years from now, we're still going to be talking about how 25 other teams picked at 26, how that was insane. People are talking about that this year because he's already, he's starting for a playoff team. So having a, a rookie backcourt of him and SGA for a, a playoff team is in. He's shooting 35% from threes. He's been defended by Thompson pretty well this series, but still he's defensive end, like you said, AJ. He's played really well so far. That's a team just full of dogs. You can't help but love that team. I really like what Doc Rivers is doing with that young bunch. Guess what the best pick and roll in the NBA is? Is it Williams and Harrell? Yep, 1.2 points per possession. Best in the NBA. The Wolves have been buckets for a while now. Harrell's got to be one of the more underrated players in this league. Sixth man of the year candidate, too. And he's like the seventh man on that team, too. Kevin Durant ran the NBA for three years. Let them win. And I really hope the Warriors win the finals this year because then Kevin Durant will leave more likely. <laughs> he should have leave. But could you imagine this is uh, segmenting into Matt's uh, Rockets speech, but could you imagine if the Warriors were knocked out before the West semis, how much fun the rest of the NBA season would be? It'd just be completely oh. wide open. It would open up the doors for like six or seven teams. Rockets, Blazers, and then Sixers, Celtics, Bucks, or Raptors. That'd be crazy. Back to the Warriors. I really have a bone to pick with this. Once again, Steph Curry was god-awful, and the Warriors still won a playoff game. I've never seen a star who gets praised so, so much and put on this high pedestal like Steph Curry only to have all his flaws and bad games glossed over. I don't think the media said a single word about it. But the Warriors, and I don't know if this is the exact stat, but they're like 10-3 and three in the playoffs when Curry scores 12 or less points. But nobody, nobody in the media wants to criticize him for that. And I just don't understand it. It just baffles me. Hey, man, he almost had a triple-double. Oh, my God. We're doing this now. <laughs> That's what they said. On, they said that on ESPN today. They go, well, Curry didn't score a lot of points, but look at his rebound and assist numbers. And I was like, oh, my. I just changed the channel. Like, it's, it's not that he's not a great player. It's just that he gets so protected by the media. And he gets called underrated. And he gets called humble. And it's like these things just aren't true. And it's like it's not like I have a problem with it. I have no issue with Curry being the way he is. I just want – if you're going to be held to that standard – or are you gonna? People are gonna say that you're at that standard. At least be held to that the same way that other guys. Because I know that if LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, whoever, if they go put a performance like that, they're getting eviscerated by the media. Absolutely eviscerated. Oh, guys, guess what? We all have the same amount of Finals MVPs as Steph Curry does. <laughs> Those jokes are never going to go away. <laughs> no. The no. difference is we didn't have to call the second best player in the league to help out. No. <laughs> the fact that it was Andre Iguodala that, that got it over him, the one year he could have won it, is hilarious. But yeah, Iggy deserved that 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It is crazy that Iggy got kind a of finals MVP for holding LeBron to like 38, 12, and 9. Yeah, it's like imagine what LeBron would do if Iggy wasn't on him. Yeah. That was a that was a fun series. I mean, 
Kyrie and Kevin Love are out, but that's besides the point. Let's move on to Matt. Let's give us your Rockets to the Finals speech. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Rockets are going to beat the Golden State Warriors in seven games in the Western Conference semifinals. They will move on to beat whoever comes out of the other side of the bracket, whether it be Blazers, Spurs, or Nuggets, and they will go to the NBA Finals. And here's why. Last year, the Western Conference Finals won seven games, and the Warriors won Game 7 by nine points. It took Chris Paul hurting his hamstring in Game 5, missing Games 6 and 7. It took the, uh, the Rockets going a stretch of 0 for 27 from three-point range uh, during the second and third quarters of that game, I believe it was. It took both those things just for the Warriors to beat the Rockets by nine points. If they had even just hit four or five of those three-pointers, in which their shooting performance would still be terrible, the Rockets win that game. But I, I like what they're doing this year because their record over the uh, going down the stretch of the season, I think they were about 20 and three over the last couple months, which is incredible. And I like the pickups. I like what they've done with Austin Rivers. I like what they've done with uh, Daniel House. I like Kenneth Fareed. I think Clint Capella. He keeps getting better and better. I think. He should have won most improved player last year. Did he win that award last year, Clint Capella? Or wasn't he, like, in the running for it? Uh, Oladipo won, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, it was Oladipo. Yeah. Either way, I think Clint Capella was on that level. It's like, well, wow, this guy can really defend. He's a true rim protector. He's athletic. He can set screens for Harden and CP3. I just think he's super valuable, and I wish that the rest of the NBA world would see how good of a player he is. And I'm not saying that this guy is Anthony Davis or, Davis or Joel Embiid. I just think he's incredible. I like James Harden. I think that is the number one key to this. I think he is in his zone right now. I know he just played terrible, but that fourth quarter that he put after those terrible three quarters was was uh, pretty incredible to me. I think he's going to break out of this postseason. Uh, He's going to eviscerate these postseason demons that he's been dealing with ever since he's been in a Rocket uniform. I think CP3 is going to stay healthy. I think he's going to add that leadership and that experience that this team needs to get over the hump. Lastly, aside from just what happens in basketball, let's just talk about the human part of it. I think the Rockets, they are absolutely obsessed with the Golden State Warriors, and they have been, and they should be. That's the way, that's the way they should be. That's the way every team should be. Daryl Morey, Mike D'Antoni, Harden, CP3, everyone on that team is obsessed with beating the Warriors. And I think that their hunger, I think that their drive, I think that their the fire in their bellies when they play against the Golden State Warriors, I just think it's going to be enough to overcome it this year. And not just because of that, but because we've seen that the Warriors have a tendency to get complacent and their margin of error is not quite what it used to be. Like, it used to be the Warriors who come up with their C game and still blow out teams by 20. I don't think that can happen. I think to win this series, the Warriors will need to be at least at a B-plus level. And I don't know if they can do that for seven games against this Rockets team. I just... And I'm, I'm prepared to look stupid if the Warriors win. Don't get me wrong. I'll take all the heat if they do. But I just love what the Rockets are doing, and I cannot wait for this series. I'm right there with you. I would love to see the Rockets win. And I think the Rockets and the 
Warriors being on the same side of the bracket's a blessing for the Rockets because a lot of knock on James Harden has been he's been fatigued in those Western Conference Finals the last few years. So I think having a sweep against Utah, so James Harden is rested as much as possible going against his Warriors. I think they're set up for, I think they're set up for success against this Warriors team. So, I mean, if the Warriors lost to the Rockets, I'd be the happiest basketball fan because since the last Saturday's game, the whole Jared Dudley thing, the most mad I was about a sporting event was them losing in Game Seven. So, I mean, if this Rockets team can finally pull it off, I will. Even if they don't, if they they make it close and they can make the Warriors tired before that Western Conference Finals, I think. That would be even good with that. But the Warriors are the most vulnerable they've been due to all the, the Draymond Green, Kevin Durant beef they've had. And then just the people don't understand that it's the amount of finals that they've gone to in the playoff games. They've played so many extra games and just the mental uh, fatigue that incorporates is a lot. And the other, other thing about that, too, is that like DeMarcus Cousins getting hurt. People will say, oh, they still have these other all-stars. And I get that. I get that. The Warriors roster is loaded. Even if they lose another one of those guys, it's still loaded than pretty much every other roster in the league. But the Warriors offense has been going through Cousins in recent weeks that he was playing uh, down towards the stretch at the end of the season. And honestly, I do feel bad that he got hurt because he's been in the league for like 10 years now, got his first taste of the playoffs and you know misses it just a couple minutes in the game too. But I think... That helps because I, the, the Capella Bogut matchup. I'm taking Capella. Capella is not going to be drawn up to the three point line where Marcus Cousins can obviously stretch it. And I, and like I said, I know that if the Warriors win, I will take so much heat from you guys and everyone else in the Sixers sense. But I just I have a feeling about this team. And if you if you've noticed that Harden, a big concern about him was him doing too much on offense, taking all the shots. But if you watched him in games one, two, and three, he was dishing the ball out a lot. He was getting other guys involved. He's a very underrated passer. Oh, yeah. His defense took a huge leap this year, too. I just think Harden is on a mission this year. I think this is his year to finally break out of it and shine. James Harden throws the prettiest pocket pass in the NBA. When he runs that pick and roll with Capella and will just drop it off, no one does that better. I'm just excited to see what happens. And it'll be a disappointment if Harden doesn't perform because at this point what is what is he like 30 years old we've seen it several years I mean I don't think he's going to get better I think right now is the best version of James Harden that we'll see I think the this Jazz series right now the Jazz just don't have enough scoring to compete with the Rockets Donovan Mitchell hasn't been he played he had a he had a pretty good game three but up until this point the first three games he hasn't overall he hasn't played the best and there's no second guy Joe Ingles has disappeared and Jay Crowder Rubio and Gobert and all those, all their guys just, there's no, there's not a second guy that provides scoring besides Donovan Mitchell. And that just doesn't work with the Rockets high flying, like high volume three point shooting offense. So I don't think this game, if the, the Jazz had one game to win, it would have been last game. I think mm-hmm. this game ends in four tonight. Yeah. Mitchell and his 25 points on what, 22, 23 shots. Yeah. I think it was nine for 27 the other night. Yeah. It's, that's not going to get it done. I'll tell you what, though, I, I love watching Gobert swat shots. It's a, it's a pretty sight to see. One thing the Rockets also have done, they've gotten Gobert on the perimeter against Chris Pauler, James Harden on the pick and switch, and they've just destroyed him. Because Gobert is, has no business being out defending on the perimeter. And especially in games one and two, they completely expose him. Like, the thing I said earlier about Chris Paul, he's not quite the player he used to be. Like, I don't, I don't think anyone still considers Chris Paul, like, one of the top 
10 or 12 players in the league anymore, but he's still really good, and he doesn't need to be at that level he was before. That's that's where I am with this. Like, He's not the Chris Paul from 2015, but he doesn't need to be. I think their window definitely, they still have a chance this year, but last year without that hamstring injury, they definitely would have closed out that series and won the finals. Anything else on this, or are you guys going to move on? Yeah, my, my, my rant is over. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm starting We're to get on this bandwagon. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the East. I think every playoff series besides the Sixers-Nets is pretty relevant. So I'll start with Raptors-Magic with that DJ Augustine Game 1 offensive outbreak, and then he just disappeared for the rest. The greatest performance uh, University of Texas alum has ever had in the NBA playoffs. <laughs> Even better than Kevin Durant. Who? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, seeing MCW get playoff, like, relevant playoff minutes just threw me for such a loop. And Markel Fultz is in his suit on the bench, too. That's another crazy thing to see in the playoffs. <laughs> Markel Fultz, baby. Oh, man. Yeah, and, and Siakam just taking it to another level, too. He's terrifying. And, like, you can see how good he is, and you can also see how he's still got so much room for improvement. He's, he's going to just... be an if he's was, just so long, and he and he's he's still like kind of fitting into his body. But but man, he's he when he when he gets everything straight, he's gonna be so good. If there was anything to get Kawhi Leonard to stay in Toronto, it's that guy. It, and also, let's talk about Kawhi Leonard. He, he played the game to flu, and he had an interview last night, and they asked him to go, "How'd you get through the flu?" And he goes, "Uh, drink a lot of water." And that was <laughs> that was his response. Very Kawhi. Leonard-esque, but I mean, this this Raptors team scares me so much. Just their the potential matchups against the Sixers is not going to be fun. The thing about them, though, they they don't have as much size. I mean, they have size, obviously, but losing Ananobi was huge for them. You know, coming off the bench for that length and height. I feel like if they if you know Philly can find a way to get it at like as physical as they can, they have a shot. They have the most playoff experience of their roster, too. Like, they have several guys who have been to the NBA Finals. Uh, obviously, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, Serge Ibaka. Then you've got Marcus Gasol, who's made plenty of deep playoff runs out in the West. Like, this, they, they got some experienced guys. This is not the same roster that they had in recent years. And Gasol were, plays were... Joel well, too. What's up? Gasol plays uh, Joel pretty well. Playoff Michael Carter-Williams. Bad man. That's a bad dude. What about so I was I saw this thing yesterday. They're talking about it on the broadcast of the of the Magic Raptors game, and they're talking about how if Raptors had uh, SGA picked him at six instead of Mo Bamba, how that would change the whole the Magic and Mo Bamba at six is not looking good. I know he was injured this year, but they have so many big men with Jonathan Isaac and Vucevic, and if Vucevic walks, it'll be, be look better for the Magic. But right now, not having SGA in the level he's playing at, and the big gap that the Magic have at guard is definitely something to be concerned about. Well, if they would have picked him, Michael Carter-Williams wouldn't be playing right now. So at least there's that. Oh, wait. They have Marco Fultz. Sorry. My fault. They'll be yeah, good. two former Sixer guards. They're fine. Neither of them can shoot. It's fine. <laughs> Modern NBA, baby. People know Mo Bamba as a song, not a basketball player. That is so true. He, he's been... He's, he missed, what, at least a third of the season, or at the end of the season. Yeah, I think he, he might have played 50 games. Isn't he also at the University of Texas? 
Yeah, he is. Another right. Texas guy. He's the second greatest NBA player to come from University of Texas. You guys want to move on to Celtics Pacers? Yep. Yeah. Um, that's been. I think the the Pacers. I don't. I don't even think they're a playoff team without Victor Oladipo. And I I I predicted before this series that it would have taken a Bojan uh, Bogdanovic thirty point game for them to win, and they didn't even get anything close to that. They, the Celtics had the first sweep of the series, and I don't even think it's impressive. They're the fourth NBA team ever to win a playoff sweep a playoff series with a win margin of less than ten points. So it's not like they were blowing out the Pacers every single game. It's been pretty tight every single night. Right. Pacers, yeah. Pacers are just a perfect example of you know star power always wins out in the playoffs. And they, they did, besides Old Depot, they had no stars. They they weren't going to get it done. However close a sweep could be in the NBA, like as close as a sweep can get to actually being competitive. This is it. Yeah, this and the, what, 2017 Pacers-Cavs series is a sweep, too. Yeah, didn't, like, several of those games come down to, like, the last, like, 30 seconds or something like that? Yeah, it was the last year Paul George was with the uh, Pacers. Yep. It was just so much for the Pacers to just generate any type of offense. Like, they had to work so hard. They just have nobody that can really, like, finish off possessions late in the clock. Everything they had to draw up was for either Doug McDermott or... Bogdanovich, and then Miles Turner, he'll give you a few. Sabonis will give you a few, but they just didn't have anybody to really lean on to put the ball in the hole. Yeah, their late game execution was dreadful. Didn't they score like uh, eight points in the third quarter of game one, was it? Game two, maybe? They've had three third quarters where they scored less than uh, 15 points this series. So, yeah, but it was they had eight points in that one quarter. I mean, Celtics, Celtics have a good defense, but it's not. They don't have like an all-world defense like that. The, the Pacers are just bad on, on offense. There's no scoring at all. Yeah, and I, I one thing. So I saw Bill Simmons tweet this, and for once I agreed with something that Bill Simmons said regarding the Celtics, and he said that um, Marcus Smart not being there is a positive for the team because. One thing that's true is Gordon Hayward, he had 20 points on nine shots last night, made all of his threes and shot well from the free throw line. And so Gordon Hayward is coming back into what the Celtics thought they were going to get from him when they traded for him and or when they signed him. And I think with having Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, and Tatum all getting over 28 minutes a game is a lot better than from an offensive perspective, which is what you need in the playoffs, than – Marcus Smart getting like 30 minutes a game. And then also you can add more minutes to Marcus Morris who can defend more like multiple positions. So I think not that their Celtics are better without Marcus Smart, but in the same breath, you have to say that they're better offensively without him and giving minutes to Tatum, Brown, and Hayward. Yeah, that's one, that's one time I agree with him. Anything else or Bucks Pistons? Do we even have to talk about Bucks Pistons? <laughs> I'd rather not talk about it. It was just boring. I felt bad for him. I mean, Blake Griffin had an awesome year, but I mean, <coughs> just got absolutely steamrolled by a really good team. Tough luck. Bucks are for real. Bonholzer has done wonders for that team. They don't even need Giannis to be like the MVP level to win. They can still be a really good team without him playing at that super elite level. Blake Griffin looked like he was in so much pain on Saturday night. I. I don't know why he played. They were gonna get. Sw- they were gonna lose even if he was playing. There's almost no use. And he he fell a few times. You could see him get up and he was grimacing. Just sit. I know they they wanted to show their fans. It was a home game too. Want to show the fans that they were trying, but it's. We play Griffin. You're still gonna lose by 20, 30 points. 
I don't know what to think about Andre Drummond as a player. I don't, I, I, I don't know like where to rank him. Uh, is he top fifteen center? Yeah, I think we're. Just, yeah, he, he's up there. We just absolutely take him to school, and he's also never had a good guard play, like for most of his time in Detroit. No offense to Ish Smith and Luke Kennard, but that dude hasn't really played with any big time distributors, and I think that would make his life a lot easier. I think you could put him sort of similar to Ennis Kanter in the sense that they both are looked really good in the box score, but defensively they're not the best at guarding the post. I think the NBA has just moved away from that type of player. Yeah, that is true. Just like the Andre Drummonds, the DeAndre Jordans, those type of guys. Greg Monroe was a max player six years ago. Is that it? Are we wrapping it up? Any other thoughts? What about predictions for second round? Yeah, just because like, I, I just put that there just because like, every one of them is pretty much over except for Nuggets Spurs. Um, I think the Bucs are going to beat the Celtics in six games. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree. I'm taking Sixers in seven. I think like, I think they can make it a series. I'm taking Sixers in four. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Sixers in seven. Then I'm going to go Rockets in seven. I kind of want to say Raptors in seven. That's what, yeah. I think that's going to be such a tight game. And, I mean, winning in Toronto is really hard. And my, my thing is, you have, so Kyle Lowry's going to guard J.J. Redick. Danny Green's going to guard Ben, which he has for the majority of the year. Kawhi's going to be on Tobias. And then the only the only like positive there is is Marcus All on Embiid. Or sorry, Pascal will be on Pascal will be on Tobias, and then Kawhi's going to be on Jimmy. So the Marcus All Embiid's the only favorable matchup, I'd say. But is it so, even that favorable? Gasol can play him well. Yeah, yeah, he does. So it's defensively, it's going to be hard. It's going to definitely going to be a lot lower scoring than we've seen Sixers series before, but. I'm also very naturally pessimistic because expect little and then receive a bunch. So I definitely can see the Sixers. They're, they're starting to click right now, and if they keep playing like this and Embiid's knee can hold up, I could definitely see them winning in seven games. This is when it's going to get so much fun because so much is going to be at stake with all the teams that get into it, especially Toronto. Had, Toronto has so much at stake coming into this series. Yeah, they do. Kawhi Leonard with him leaving this summer, so if he does. If, if that team goes to the finals and let's say they take the Rockets to six or seven games, do you think Kawhi stays? I think they can go to the finals and he gets, he still leaves. Everyone think, is saying that he's going to leave no matter what. You think he's just that dead set on L.A.? I mean, that, that's, that's what I've been hearing around, too. I think he's going to the Clippers no matter what. Man, the Clippers have a really good sales pitch for him. Yep, and they could trade for AD, too. They just tell Kawhi, look, like, we beat the Warriors one game, we battled them the other games, all we need is that one superstar. You're, um, you're that guy. Like, it's a good sales pitch. And Lou Williams' contract is, what is it, three years, $24 million? That looks really good, too. So. Yeah. And those young guys, SGA. All they have to do in the in the pitch to Kawhi is just show him Landry Shamit highlights, and that should do the job. <laughs> yeah, a backcourt of Landry Shamit and SGA is... Man, that's scary. Or just have uh, Patrick Beverly just call Kawhi and just be like, yo, come here. And then just hang up the phone. And then Patrick Beverly goes to Philly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 
one question I have for you guys is would you rather see Blazers Spurs or Blazers Nuggets? I'd rather see Blazers Nuggets just because of the backcourt. I think that'd be a lot of fun. And then Cannon Jokic would be pretty entertaining. But I think I have a feeling the Spurs are going to win just because you can't, you can't count on Jamal Murray putting up points consistently. Right. So, and that used to be CJ McCollum's problem, but he's been consistent so far in the playoffs. And I think the Blazers have so much motivation after being swept last year that they're just going to go all out the entire playoffs. So I think they go straight to the semis or conference finals. I'd love to see a Blazers Rockets conference finals. Oh, just have him chuck up bombs for 48 minutes. <laughs> 43s per game per team. First one to 130 wins. <laughs> <laughs> I get there by the end of the third quarter. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Sixers Sense podcast. Stay up to date with daily Sixers content at thesixersense.com and follow us on Twitter at Sixers Sense.